On today's show, I'm looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Houston Rockets, what it means for fantasy as we move forward. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Um... Right, this is what we're going to do at this point. Start some team review series of podcasts. So we go through and just look at each team, what they did this year, why, why not, what it might mean for the future, and how the team shapes up for the off-season as well. Uh, sometimes the, the format can be a little rough, a little rusty, a little, uh, little uh, I don't know, authentic, maybe is the way that we, we phrase that. But let's just talk about these Houston Rockets and what the season looked like for them. Obviously, it was shithouse. We know that. Um, but just how shit else was it? Well, they finished the season 17 and 55. They were like three games under their expected win loss. So the net rating wasn't um, as bad as the worst team in the NBA. So I guess there's a level of silver lining there. But you know, bad on offense, bad on defense, 27th offensively, 27th defensively, sixth in pace which was pretty interesting. They also shot a lot of threes and they barely made any of them. I think they were like top five in threes attempted and bottom five in threes made or three-point percentage, sorry. Um, they really struggled, obviously, this year. They have the they had the worst record in the NBA. That's why we're doing them first. They have a chance at pick number 21. Sorry, I don't know why I said 21. I was looking at the other picks. They have, they have a chance at pick number one. Obviously, we don't know where that pick falls. It can only fall as low as five. So one through five is one of their picks. They also potentially have pick 22. I think there's a coin flip that has to occur there between three teams at the 21, 22, 23 mark. They also have pick 24 as well, which is locked in. So they definitely have three first round selections, but where two of those picks end up uh, still remains to be seen. So they're going to be adding some talent. Obviously, a top five pick is going to be huge. And what that, who that player is, is going to have an impact on how we view the fantasy value of so many of these guys on this squad. As I said, they finished second here in three-point attempt rate, 29th in three-point percentage. So they're, they're taking a lot of threes just with shooters who aren't good, and they were really poor uh, rebounders. They were 28th in offensive rebound percentage in the NBA, but 29th in allowing offensive rebounds. So basically, they just couldn't rebound. They couldn't get their own offensive misses. They couldn't keep their opponents off the offensive glass. Just a bad rebounding team, as well as a poor shooting team and a poor defensive team. They were 29th in opponents' effective field goal percentage. So not only were they, they not hitting their shots, is their opponents were hitting them at one of the best rates in the NBA, 56%. So that gives you... A an overview of just how poor this team was in terms of the areas that they needed to focus on. In terms of upcoming free agents, Dante Exum, Sterling Brown, David Nwaba, and Kali Olenek are all unrestricted free agents for the Rockets. Now, guys like Exum, he barely played this year. And I think, yeah, how many of you even know what team he started off this year? And how many of you knew that Dante Exum was on the Rockets? Sterling Brown had that knee issue that wiped out the end of his season. David Nwaba had that wrist issue, which wiped out half of his season. Kalilinik's the big one there because he is, was unbelievable. Like, just unbelievable. Like, a top 20 player over the last two months of the year. Um, big minutes, great production, either at center or next to Christian Wood. 
But whether he comes back to Houston, he, he was excellent. He was their best player down the stretch of the season. I don't think there's any debate about that. Over the last, probably post-trade deadline, he was this team's best player. Um, but does he want to go back to Houston? Are they going to offer him big money to go back? Do they draft a big man? Do they get their hands on an Evan Mobley? And they'd want to see Mobley and Wood work together. And that leaves Alinek in a smaller role. Of course, Jay Sean Tate's got to play the three or the four on that team as well. I really have some... Yeah, we'll talk about Linux in a second, but I just, I'm not sure that he's back in Houston. And then DJ Wilson, who they got in the PJ Tucker trade, is a restricted free agent. Let's look now at players. Um, Christian Wood. Let's start with him, the crucifix. 41 games played only, 32 minutes a night. Now, his numbers were significantly better before his ankle injury. Uh, really put up some huge numbers. In the end, his uh, EPM, which is his uh, estimated plus minus, which is one of the newer all-in-one number metrics and considered one of the most accurate along with LeBron and Raptor. Probably Raptor and EPM uh, at the top and LeBron coming in next. But he was had an, an EPM of 2.9, which is really good. Worse than his season last year, but he was in the 93rd percentile. Like That's, that's a strong number. So he was impressive, but that number was sky high before his ankle injury. And then when he came back, he just couldn't get things going. He finishes the 34th player in Yahoo Points Leagues, averaging over 39 fantasy points. He was 62nd in Category Leagues with a 54 ADP. He was, again, significantly better than that before his ankle injury. I wonder where he ends up next year. Again, so much of his game is based on um, offensive usage and getting some blocks. But let's just hope his efficiency can jump up as well because it was down from 66 true shooting to 60 this season. And that's a big reason why he wasn't quite able to live up to some of the expectations. His best category, interestingly, was his rebounding at 9.6 per game. And he shot, uh, his worst category was his free throws at 63.1%, which is rough. He averaged 21 points. He averaged 1.2 blocks. He hit two threes. He had a 51% field goal, and he hit 37% of his threes. It's just that that big drop in free throws really did hurt. And I guess if we look at him as a punt free throw guy, then he clearly beats that ADP number. But he, he was impressive. The 32 minutes a night, I think he could we could stand to see more of that. But is he good enough? And we'll talk about this and listen to questions later on. Is he a core piece? Is he a guy that we look at and go, well, the Rockets build around Christian Wood? He's going to be 26 by the time next season starts. That's not old, and he's entering his prime. But his prime is going to be on a team that is really bad. Like, So he's, he's got a chance to put up some you know, top 30 fantasy seasons on a bad team. But you know, it, the, the Rockets don't have to pay him a huge amount of money, obviously. Look, his contract's not massive. Um but there is you know, some concern, I guess, that he is going to age out a little bit when um, when uh, the team starts to be to be good. I guess that's a level of concern. He was second on this team in LeBron, and yeah, that's a, and that one of those all-in-one metrics. And he was out of the guys that played yeah, big minutes. He led the team in Raptor at plus two point five. So some some pretty decent advanced stats. Not to say there's anything. I think he'd be better than this next year for sure. The twenty-one points per game, yeah, maybe, but. Can he go from 63 back to 70 from the line? I think that's where we have our hope. And then I reckon the yeah, top 40 is a possibility for Wood, but so much water has to go under the bridge with this team. Guys, if you're stressed thinking about the Rockets' rotation for next season, what they're going to do in the offseason, what they're going to do in the draft, 
might be a good idea to get some meditation and some mindfulness into your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you, and they even have morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockedonnba. That's headspace.com slash lockedonnba for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash lockedonnba today. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? They have nine flavors at the moment, plus they always will introduce these occasional limited time flavors. Coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, plenty of great ones out there at the moment. Always keep an eye on the site for the announcements of new flavors as well. And these flavors, they're not just taste great because they do, they taste fantastic, but they also are healthy. Most of these flavors, 17 grams of protein with 130 calories and just 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. And some of them have 18 grams of protein for just 180 calories. Fantastic nutritional profile for the Built Bar bars. And if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's look at the next player here. A guy that really fired up at the end of the year, Kyrie Thomas. He was, on a per-game basis, the 16th ranked player in category leagues. He played five games, 31 minutes a night. He was 50th in points leagues, averaging 36 points per game. His best category was his steals, 1.8 steals. His worst category was his 3.6 rebounds. He averaged 16 points. He had five assists. He shot 49% from the field, didn't miss a free throw. Only hit 33% of his threes, 59 true shooting, some really, really positive numbers for Kyrie Thomas. But of course, when we're viewing that, we have to look at it and go, well, okay, it's obviously at a weird time of the year where just a bunch of players are out. Porter is out. Brown is out. Nwaba is out. Wall is out. Thomas's EPM was great, plus 1.3, 81st percentile. Led the team in Raptor at an astonishing 11.1. His LeBron was pretty solid as well. Negative 0.15, which is not horrendous. It's not great. It's not horrendous. And that's that's probably a more accurate representation of where he um where he lies. True shooting 59 is great. Got to the rim quite a bit. 72% of his shots came at the rim. Yeah, really, really solid. Good assist to turnover ratio. But it's a five-game sample. He's 25 years of age. He's never shown this ability before. And yeah, his first game was great, and every game seemingly got worse after that. I would not be viewing Kyrie Thomas at the age of 25. He's just turned 25 as any sort of key piece for this team. Should they look you know, to keep him on the roster next year? Yeah, because look, he showed some flashes. Is it yeah, more beneficial for a rebuilding team to have a Kyrie Thomas than Eric Gordon? Yes. Or even, even say, a David Nwaba or a Daniel House, who are both 28 and over, who honestly, they are probably better than Thomas, especially defensively. But are they worth it? Is Avery Bradley at age 31 worth it more than Kyrie Thomas? No. But I'm not I'm not really convinced that Thomas, who's had not good years in the past, like absolutely shit out seasons in the past that he's played, and he's played what 13 games over the last two years. 
barely played at all. Um, I think he's played like 40 games in his NBA career and just flashed for these five games, which again, is impressive to do. But I am not convinced that it's anything that we need to look at and go, this is the breakout. It's a Kevin Porter, Kyrie Thomas backcourt. The odds would tell you that the Rockets will take a guard. It might be Mobley, but it could be Green, Suggs, Cunningham. One of those four guys in the top five. There's lots of guards up there, wing guard type players, and it's going to just mean that Thomas's ability to succeed is pretty limited, I think. Let's go to the next guy, Kelly Olenek. We talked about him already. 70 games, 29 minutes a game, 86th ranked player in points leagues, 29.64 points, 63rd in category leagues, and that's including his time in Miami. He wasn't drafted, so one of the best waiver wire pickups of the year and was absolutely flying down the end of the season. The numbers were insane. Interestingly, his best category over the season was his steals, and it was at 1.1. His worst category, his scoring at 13.5 points, but that just shows how even what Olenek was able to do this year. He averaged 13, 7, and 3, 0.6 blocks, 1.1 steals, almost two threes, 48 and 83. So just an absolutely almost bang average player right across the board in every category. Just remarkably consistent. And then his last month, he was the seventh ranked player. He averaged 21 and 9 with over six assists, over two steals, 49 and 85. And it did it on 36% three-point shooting. So nothing outrageous there. He's been a guy that I've been a fan of for a long time as a player, which I've talked about plenty of times. And say, if you give him minutes, I think he'll produce well. This was by far, uh, actually, I was going to say, it's by far his best advanced stat season. That's not really true. Because in 2018, he had a better um, EPM and in 2016 in Boston. He was 85th percentile, 1.6 EPM. True shooting was strong. And his true shooting has been 62, 62, 62, 61, and 60 the last five years. So he's been consistently efficient. He got to the rim a lot more, attempted way more shots at the rim, 73% of his shots at the rim, which is a career high. His passing was really, really good in Houston. I was unbelievably impressed with his you know, his season this year, especially in Houston. The thing is, though, he is, as I said, 29. Well, he just turned 30. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent. Is there any point to Houston bringing him back? I think he has roles on good teams. I think yeah, not the same role that he had in Houston, where he put up, obviously, insane numbers. So I think if we're viewing what Olenek did here at the end of the year as a indicator for moving forward, I don't think that's realistic. There's almost no situation of a team that he goes to that's better than the stretch of games here at the end of the year for Houston, and that is going to put a pin in his numbers. But again, he was the 12th-ranked player over the last month, Sorry, seventh ranked player, fourteenth over the the period post trade deadline. Like those are insane numbers, with huge steal numbers, great assists, great rebounds, great scoring, hitting threes, fantastic efficiency, sixty seven percent true shooting in Houston. Like these numbers are absolutely ridiculous. I just think there is going to be a drop off, and the minutes won't be that high, the usage won't be that high. The most important, the ball just won't be in his hands to get that many assists for wherever he goes, even if he stays in Houston, because Porter and Wall will have the ball in their hands a lot more and whatever they do with their draft picks. So is this best, yes, Linux best ever season? Probably. I don't really see him ever being better than this. Is he second top 100 year ever? Last time was 17-18 in 23 minutes, interestingly. Um, really impressive, but 
I wouldn't be banking on Kelly Olynyk to do this again because there are just a lot of factors that go against that. Johnny Wall, 40 games, 32 minutes a night. I wouldn't say that he was particularly good. I think he had stretches to begin the year, and we saw that in preseason. At the start, he went, hey, John Wall's back. Recovered amazingly from the Achilles. And that was sort of true, and then it did drop off as the season went on. He was a negative in EPM, negative 0.3. That's still 61st percentile, so above average. His um, Raptor number was rough, minus 2.4. That, that's not a good number. Um, his LeBron was all right, 0.6, which is, again, that, that's an okay number, but it's it's less than a Linux and Wood. Third of best on the team. Um, he averaged, well, let's see what else did he He got 37 fantasy points a game, 48th ranked player. 97th in category leagues, despite a 56 ADP, and that's on a per-game basis, not including total, so a real bust at that spot. His best category was his 6.9 assists, and his worst was his 40% shooting. And this is one of the worries we always talk about guys coming back from Achilles injuries, is the efficiency could be rough. Now, Kevin Durant's obviously a huge um, outlier, but he also barely played, which is another one of those factors. Injuries, and re-injury, and shooting. And Wall caught both of those with a hamstring injury, ending his year with knee and Achilles soreness, you know, limiting him with back-to-backs and other injuries during the season. He's 32, so he's 31 years of age. He's going to be 31 by the time next season starts. He averaged 21 points with two threes, seven assists, and 1.1 steals. But a true shooting of 50% is really, really bad. 32% three-point shooting is bad. Uh, he will be one year removed from his Achilles injury, but you have to weigh the one year removed from Achilles surgery or you know, from coming back versus getting one year older. And which one of those takes precedence in the improvement or year removed from surgery or the age-related decline? And I am not... I, I think that they would love to move on from John Wall. I don't see any way that they can do it and because they're not going to be giving up assets to get rid of John Wall. Nobody is going to be taking him on with unless it's a dump. So he's going to be there. He's going to miss a lot of time. At this point, I'm probably thinking he's almost almost not a draftable player in fantasy for next season. And his dynasty value is in the toilet. If I could get any top 80 player in a trade in a dynasty league, I would do it. He could easily be, let's say he could be a top 70 player. Somehow he stays healthy next year. The shooting improves. That's fine. But we're talking a one-year situation where he will then be 32 in 2022-23. And with all his injuries at age 32, I just don't think there's any real value in that. For uh, for John Wall, not uh, yeah, not a great scenario for him. I don't think moving forward, even though he's going to be in this situation where he takes a lot of shots, but that could actually be detrimental because the efficiency will drop way off in that um, in that situation. Guys, you are the hiring expert for your company, so what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, and three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get the quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster and only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications. And schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests and add your must-have requirements, so you only pay for applications that meet them. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, 
Let's move on now to the next player we're going to look at, and that is the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate. A real, uh, what was it, Sheev? A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. He was a guy that I said almost flippantly in the preseason. I just watched Jay Sean Tate. The Rockets seemed to like him. Just keep an eye on what he's going to do. If he can take some minutes away from a PJ Tucker, or if PJ Tucker is dealt, keep an eye on him. Now, I did not expect this. He's going to be an all-rookie first-team player. He played 70 games with 29 minutes a game. He averaged 25 fantasy points for Yahoo, 128th ranked player. He was better in category leagues, 117th. But so much of that, and I, I saw some crazy things that people have written about Jay Sean Tate. I'd rather take Jay Sean Tate in the eighth round than Christos Porzingis because I know that Tate's going to play. And that is, if you are playing fantasy, one of the most foolish mindsets that you can have. Apologies if the person who wrote those things is listening to this podcast. Because Tate was fine. Right, Jay Sean Tate averaged 11 points, 5 rebounds. He hit 0.93s. He had 1.2 steals, 51 and 69% from the line. Giggity! And he shot 31% from three. That's a true shooting of 58%. His best category was his steals, 1.2 steals, and his worst was his threes. 117th ranked player. He is 25 and a half years of age already. And we look at what he did then. I think if you look at this and go, well, you know, he played 70 games. Therefore, I want to draft him earlier because his total value is fantastic. It's just a flawed way of looking at things because you cannot guarantee that he is healthy next season. You just can't. It is actually impossible to do that. Who knows what happens with injuries? You, you cannot. I've seen people, I wouldn't take Carl Anthony Towns in the top 10. He's too unreliable. Oh, yeah, Towns, I'm taking it one. He's an Ironman two years ago. You cannot... You cannot draft for health. You can look at guys who enter a season injured and go, I'm worried as shit about that. You can look at guys with a history of injuries to the same body part and go, I'm worried about that a lot. That That is totally fine. But you cannot draft a player going, wow, he was excellent. I pick him super early because on a total value basis, he was the eighth, you know, the 80th or 70th ranked player because you cannot trust that. It is impossible to do. We cannot predict injuries. Actually impossible. Now he was again. He was good. 0.5 EPM. He seemed to improve as the season went on. Had a little bit of a dip in May, but improved as the season went on. 72nd percentile in EPM. He had a nice positive Raptor. Only one of only five players on this team with a positive Raptor, and three of those players were Exum Nwaba and Kyrie Thomas, who barely played. So only two regulars who had a positive Raptor. His LeBron wasn't quite as good. It was at negative 0.37, but still not too bad. Um, he played over 2,000 minutes, the most on this on this team. He was solid. But, you know, there, there's, there's big changes coming on this squad. Does he have a guaranteed starting job for next year? I would say almost definitely not. Is it a, very easy to see him starting? Yeah, of course. His ability to play point guard and center and at the wing and defend really well is very impressive. But... 16% usage on a team that just had so many guys missing. Equal assists and turnover percentage is, is fine, but not great. Defensively, I thought he was, he was pretty good. But does that translate into an excellent long-term fantasy option? I, I don't believe so. Let's look at our mate, our cousin, our relative, our brother, our son, Kevin Porter Jr. 26 games he played only, 32 minutes a night. 
So it wasn't, you know, when we look at his numbers and his rankings, it's not a case of, well, you know, he only started or he only played big minutes in half the year and that skews everything. When he came in, he played big minutes straight away. 32 minutes a night for the season. He averaged almost 17 points with two threes. Pretty solid numbers. 3.8 rebounds and six assists, really good. Um, the problem you have then stems from here, though. 0.7 steals, bad. 0.3 blocks, not good. 43% on your pretty decent usage from the field, 26% usage, um, 43% shooting, rough. 73 from the line on decent volume, rough as well. So hurting both your efficiency numbers, hurting your defensive stats, a subpar rebounder as well, and you know, a, a decent chunk of those games came without John Wall there. 30 fantasy points per game, 79th ranked player in Yahoo. Pretty good. And this is really, really good. You know, he, he did a lot of things that I didn't expect him to do. I, you know, When he first came into the NBA, when you're watching him at USC and profiling him there, he did not look like a guy that had point guard skills. And he has absolutely shown that. Like really good passing numbers, uh, really good passing ability. Shows that he can maybe be a full-time point guard. I'm not 100% convinced of that, but I think he can be that. Um, but category leagues, he just hurts you in a lot of spots. 127th ranked category play, despite playing 32 minutes a night. 142nd was his ADP. That was back when he was on Cleveland. His best category was his assists. His worst was his field goal percentage. Some of his impact stuff, though, was pretty rough on a team where he should have been you know, one of the best players. Negative 3.4 EPM. That's a 22nd percentile across the NBA. His Raptor was a negative 4.1, one of the worst on this team. Defensively, in large in large part because of his bad defense, his LeBron was a negative 0.92, and one of the, again one of the worst on this team. He is only 21 years of age. He just turned 21. There's a there's a lot that he can improve on, but the poor free throws, which he's improved on significantly, they're still not great. The poor shooting, the poor three point shooting, the lack of defensive stats are all things that carried over from last season and even from his college years. So I'd like to see them start to improve. He shows showed a lot though this year. And we talk about like you know, Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate. Is he you know, the core? If you draft Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, do you prioritize Kevin Porter over them? No, you, you, I wouldn't, not even close to it. Can he be a nice ancillary piece as maybe a fourth best player on a playoff team? Maybe a third best player? Sure. Am I underselling him? Potentially. I could be. I just, I don't see it that everyone else sees it. The shooting numbers are too bad. The defensive stuff is pretty bad. Passing has improved. Gets his own. Scored 50 points in the game. That's great. So did Corey Brewer. So did Mo Williams. Lots of shit players. Well, shitty, shitty type players. They're not shit players. They're, they're thoroughly average type players. Have scored 50. At this age, yep, no worries. It, it is a great accomplishment. And I think he can be a good player. Do I think he can be an all-star player? No, I don't. I think there's too much stuff in off-court issues um, and some of his on-court style of play and some of his shooting numbers that, that will hold him back. And I am very intrigued to see what they do. Is he the best prospect on the team? Clearly. Right, clearly. Um, I'm intrigued to see what they do and how he fits in. A healthy John Wall, a potential another guard that gets drafted. Where does Porter fit in? Does he play 32 minutes a night again next season? I have some doubts. With the hype around him has been insane. And you always want to look at these level of hype scenarios and see if there's any way of cashing in. There might not be, but I think you want to see whether you can with Kevin Porter.
See if you can cash in and see if someone buys him as a top 40, top 50 player. You might find those people. If you don't, the chance of him getting there, they're still there. Look, Jay Sean Tate doesn't have a chance of being a top 30 player. Kevin Porter does. I think the chance is low, but you want to see what you can get back. Let's look at Eric Gordon. Uh, I think he's pretty cooked, to be honest. 32 years of age. Gordon played 27 games in 29 minutes. Injured groin, ended his year. He averaged 25.5 fantasy points. That's 126. He was 148th in category leagues with 146 ADP. His best category was his threes. Just another one of these examples. You can find threes on the waiver wire. 2.6 triples per game. His worst category was an absolutely piss poor 2.1 rebounds per game. He averaged 18 points, 2.6 assists, half a steal, shot 43 and 83 from the field and from the line, including 33% from three. I, I just don't know... Well, that's another name when we talk about Kevin Porter. Like, where does Eric Gordon fit in on this team? What's his role? He's a negative 0.4 EPM. His um, he's LeBron wasn't great, negative 0.76. There's just a lot where I'm not really sure, again, how all of these guys... Who's trading for Eric Gordon? Do you have to dump him if you're looking to get rid of him? Maybe. Maybe you do. Um, one last thing on uh, on Kevin Porter that I didn't mention before. He had a negative 6.5 uh, on-off number. That's pretty rough. Tate was a plus 8.6. Wood a plus 6.4. Eric Gordon was a 4.4. Wall was a 2.8. Uh, Depot was a plus 2.1. But Porter, one of the worst on this team in terms of his, uh, on, his on-off stuff. That's pretty rough when the... Um, when the when the backups aren't particularly good either, um, yeah, I don't know what to say about Eric Gordon. I, I just don't see him as a any sort of top one hundred and twenty fantasy player in the future. Let's do a KJ Martin, a guy that did flash a lot. Forty five games, twenty three point seven minutes per game over the course of the year. He averaged twenty one fantasy points per game. He was the 170th ranked player in category leagues. His best category was his 0.9 blocks. His worst category was his 9.3 points per game. But I thought he flashed a lot. He is just 20. Won't be 21 for like over six months. The last month of the year, he was the 77th ranked player. And he played 34 minutes a night. He averaged 16 points. He had seven boards. And the blocks, which were the real you know big part of his game early on, they didn't improve as his minutes improved, which is quite curious. He shot 40% from three in that last month. That got his field goals up to 51. So there's a level of unsustainability with that shooting, I believe. Um, The free throws were bad, 64% over that time. We loved what he did. I thought he was super impressive out there. But again, it's a little bit of a, what's the right, you know, looter in a riot type scenario. Like everything's just going to shit and he's coming in and putting up big numbers. A negative 2.8 EPM is, is, is really is really quite poor. His Raptor was quite poor. His um, his LeBron was really, really bad. All the advanced numbers were bad on, uh, on Kenyon Martin Jr. But again, watching him play, you just saw some flashes. But would Tate ahead of him at this point? A Linux if he comes back? That's, a, that's another reason I don't think they'll bring a Linux back at age 30 is that you just can put Martin into that role as a backup four. Um, but as a late second round pick, it's a huge win. Can he have an overall top 100 season in the next four years? 
I think there's probably a greater than 50% chance of that. Will he ever be better than top 80? I, I don't think so. I think that that little stretch down the end where he was averaging 16 points per game and playing 34 minutes is probably an outlier, even though I can look at that and go, I know he can block more shots than this. Um, so he's a tough one again that could, he's not that good of a prospect where you phase out other guys, Evan Mobley, for example, or whatever you do at pick 21 or pick 24, or yeah, do you prioritize Martin over those guys? Maybe, maybe you do, but I'm not, not a hundred percent convinced as a bad shooter from the field and from the line. Um, who you thrive by getting huge minutes, that that is the guy that you want to rely upon. Don't know. We'll see. Cameron Oliver, barely played. Played four games, 22 minutes, 11 points, five rebounds, a block, 58%. He shot 25 from the line, which is obviously shithouse. 23 fantasy points per game, 159th ranked player, 177th in category leagues. Just one of those guys, again, that, that came across from the NBL, much like Jay Sean Tate, and played well at the end of the year. But, I don't think there's anything there for me to suggest that Cameron Oliver is going to be a huge part of this team as we move forward. I thought he did some nice things, but I don't really see him as any sort of guy that they need to be relying upon uh, as we move forward. Still quite a, a long way to go. Sterling Brown, 51 games, 24 minutes, almost 18 fantasy points outside the top 250, outside the top 200 for category leagues. He hit threes, 1.8 per game. He averages eight points per game with four rebounds. His steals were down. A guy that was generally a pretty good steals guy in the past, but just 0.7 steals. 26 years of age, free agent. I'm not really sure where his role is in the league, especially with this knee or knee injury. Then he had this head face issue that he was dealing with. I'm not really sure there's much to, uh, to look at with Sterling as a great option moving forward. David Nwaba, 30 games, 23 minutes. A guy that always gets significantly overrated in fantasy because he goes out there and he busts his absolute ass on the court. Like he does some really, really impressive stuff with his putting his body on the line, sacrificing for his teammates. And people go, oh, is David Nwaba a pickup maybe? And the answer is almost inevitably no. But he just makes you want to like him. He was unbelievable defensively this year. His EPM was career best, plus one, 77th percentile. He had a really strong LeBron, especially defensively. His Raptor was second best on this team. as 3.2. And in terms of regular rotation guys, it was the best because, you know, Kyrie Thomas barely played. He was just really good defensively. But I don't really know what it, what it leads to. A steal and 0.7 blocks in 23 minutes is great. But the, the lack of shooting and... He's had a lot of injury problems coming off an Achilles, then had this wrist ligament tear, had some knee problems in the past. Um, he's 28 already. I, I just, I don't see it for him. Sorry, David. Let's go through these last guys. Armani Brooks played 20 games, 26 minutes a night, averaged 19 fantasy points. Again, you want threes. He hit three threes a game, 38% shooting. He did nothing else. And amazingly, just 58% from the line. No defensive stats, no assists, no rebounds. 11 points is... is Fine, sure. But, you know, was he actually good? He had the, the massive opportunity. The answer was he wasn't good. He was really, really poor defensively. Uh, he's young. He's 23. And the, he's worth holding around and seeing if there's any development coming there. But it was one of those situations where Armani Brooks becomes a fantasy name at the end of this season because of the unique circumstances of this Rockets roster. But I'm not sure we really ever hear from him again. So, yeah, unfortunately for him, uh, yeah, don't, not, don't, not sure he's going to be relevant at all. Daniel L. House Jr., shithouse. 
36 games played, 26 minutes per game. Um, amazingly, he was drafted 137th in category leagues or just in leagues in general. Uh, it was a horrendous decision, I think, to pick him there. He finished 291 in category leagues and 239 in points leagues, averaging 18 points. His best category was his threes. He averaged nine points with 1.5 triples, no steals, horrendous true shooting of under 53, 65 from the line, 40 from the field, steals and blocks non-existent, no rebounds, no blocks. He just took massive steps backwards. A guy that had had some pretty okay years, but I think it was a little bit overrated. And I, I just don't see, I don't see the role for him on this on this team. Like it, the year was rough for him for sure with injuries, and and that knee problem bothered him a lot. I just don't see him as a guy who is twenty eight years of age that they will want to. Oh, they're much better with Jay Sean Tate in that position. Tate's a much better player, I think. And yeah, getting wings in and trying to develop them. A house has no fantasy utility as we move forward. DJ Augustin, uh, 20 minutes a game, 306th in points leagues, 296 in category leagues. Great free throws. Excellent free throws. 90% there, but he didn't do too much. He's 33 years of age. I'm not sure what his uh, NBA career looks like. Wouldn't be expecting him to play a huge amount next season. Let's look at Avery Bradley, who, well, look, honestly... We often see this with Avery Bradley, um, that people get excited about him. It's Avery Bradley, man. He used to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. He was a top 70 player at one point in his career. That's a, such a long time ago. He is one of the worst fantasy players in the entire NBA. I think he's actually one of the worst players in the NBA at this point in his career. His defense has been overrated for a long time. Um, a negative 4.5 EPM is horrifically bad. He averaged, what did he average? Um, six points on 37% shooting, 0.8 steals, 1.7 assists. He can't rebound anymore. He is 30 years of age, 31 early next season. 326th ranked player, I think, for category leagues. 327, sorry. Like, just, just not good. And, uh, yeah, unrestricted free agent coming up. I, I don't really see, I don't really see any, any real future for him in the NBA, unfortunately. Dante Exum only played six games, 19 minutes. Defensively, like he, he put up good numbers. Like He's still a really good defensively. The problem is, is the he is so bad offensively and he cannot stay healthy that there's, you can't play him. He has never been a good fantasy player. In fact, he's been actively a terrible fantasy player. Um, unrestricted free agent now. Tory's calf in the sea early in the season, never played again. He's only he's not even 26. He's about to turn 26. I like the bloke, but where, where's he at in his career? You've got to be a little bit worried about... I, I am not certain that he gets another contract next season. He was pretty poor. Um, not many guys to go here. Let's look at DJ Wilson, who is a restricted free agent coming up. 35 games, 12 points, uh, 12 fantasy points a game. Yeah, outside the top 350 in both points leagues and category leagues. Uh, look, there was an opportunity here for him. Coming to Houston with injuries, but we had guys like you know, Cam Oliver, um, Kenyon Martin stepping ahead of him. Again, I'm not really sure that Wilson gets brought back to any team. What's he shown over his career to make you think that you take another chance on him? Yes, he had a little bit of a, a chance in Milwaukee a couple of years ago, 2019, where he was had a really strong um, defensive EPM and was a solid player, but it's gotten worse since then. The true shooting is 51% or, or less in the last three years. Doesn't shoot the three ball well. 
doesn't get doesn't take shots at the rim very much. Can't pass defensively. He's not great. I don't know. I think his uh, his NBA career is in real strife. Anthony Lamb, look, just not not up to it. I don't think not an NBA caliber player, and I would be surprised to see him doing too much moving forward. And the last guy on this list is Cam Reddles, who's had a few goes in San Antonio, in Milwaukee. Played a couple of games in Houston. He's 26 years of age. I would be surprised to see him anything more than a mid-season two-way contract pickup as uh, as we move forward. So that's it for the Rockets. Some real um, yeah, fluff on this roster. Yeah, the guys we look at, of course, are Wood, Olenek, Wall, Tate, Porter, Martin, Eric Gordon maybe, but even then not, re- not really, and a team that's really in flux. We did have some questions come in from you guys, and a lot of those that I answered already, but Kyle Corsilia says, is John Wall still an elite point guard in the league? The answer to that is no. He's not, I don't think he's really remotely close to an, an elite point guard in the league. Um, really a long way away from being uh, elite under any circumstance. He is, he shows flashes, but you just can't um, rely upon that. Um, uh, yeah, Benny Doyle says, are we building around Wood and Kevin Porter? Are they good enough to hitch a franchise to? No, they are not. Are you building? You're building around your top five pick that's coming in this season. Kevin Porter's a nice piece to have alongside it. Christian Wood's solid enough, but as I said, he's 26. So by the time Porter and your top five pick become 25, he's going to be like 31 and not really in that in that realm. I wouldn't trade him yet, Christian Wood, but I wouldn't. I also wouldn't um, be against it just to, to try and get guys more on that timeline. Um, this is NBA says, how bad of a coach is Silas? I feel bad for the guy, unluckiness of the course, but wow, it was a bad ride turned worst of all time for the franchise. I'm, I, I, I'll put it this way. I don't think he's good, but I, he's not the worst coach out there. Some of the shit that was thrown at him was really rough. The, John, the, the James Harden stuff, trying to deal with DeMarcus Cousins, um, the millions of injuries, the team that was clearly tanking, and rightfully so. I'd like to give him at least another year to see if we get in. But he didn't do anything. Maybe go, yeah, yeah, he's the right call for sure. Yeah, he's obviously was stressed out by the scenario and was was feeling it. But I'm not ready to say that he's terrible or, or good yet. Awu824, where would you draft Cousin Kev next season in nine cat leagues? Well, this is the thing. You've no idea. And I cannot make any proclamations for this. But I've already said, like for a guy whose situation was set up for him this year, to not crack top 120, um, makes you think that there's a real chance he's overdrafted next season. Um, and let's go for the last question here. Is Kenyon Martin Jr. a starter next season? Well, we, we need to see. I would be surprised, but let's say that a Linux doesn't come back. Could you see a Tate at the three, Martin at the four, Wood at the five combination? Yeah. I, I would be putting Tate ahead of house pretty comfortably. Um, and then with Porter and Wall as the other guys, but then you've got that top five pick. Where does that? Where do they slide in? I think Martin is probably more destined to be a uh, a seventh man sort of player who plays twenty five to twenty six minutes a night. Guys, that'll do it for this Rockets season in review podcast. Let me know what you thought, what you disagreed, what you agreed with, and we'll be back tomorrow to do another one of these shows. Detroit Pistons will be on deck. So. Let me know down below. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up, ring the bell, leave your comments. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.
Så ja.